Today, I'm sitting down with Jake Alexander, who is the founder of the YouTube channel Casual Commerce and has also moved into apps and buying apps, flipping apps, acquiring apps. So we're going to be talking a lot about the app buying process as well as how to manage your app and so much more. So with that being said, I'm Nikita from AspectAgency.com and let's get into the podcast. What's going on, Jake? How's everything going? What's going on, man? Pretty good. Happy to be on here. So I'm just ready to jump right into it. We've known each other for years now. We actually been roommates at one point. So it's uh, it's nice to finally have you on the show. Anyways, I wanted to jump right into it. You've had a long career in e-commerce, specifically Shopify. You've done drop shipping in the past. You started off with you know selling on eBay, drop shipping via Shopify, now and then content creation and now you're moving on into working on buying acquiring and i don't know if you're flipping eventually but getting shopify apps and then just improving on them and getting more users and and whatnot how has that been going so far so it's definitely been a different experience compared to everything i've done in the past because you know, a software business model is going to be extremely different from anything else but a lot of the past experience does come into play here because it's the same type of niche so these type of uh, shopify apps are obviously being used by merchants and me having a lot of experience past and present on the merchant side of things as well gives me a little bit more insight into you know things that i think need to be done etc etc so it's been a relatively new process just started recently in the past couple of months, acquired my first app. The deal closed about a month and a half, two months ago. So just really getting my feet wet in this sphere, but definitely looking forward to hitting the accelerator on that part of my business moving forward about 2023. Yeah, it was very interesting when you told me about that because it seemed like a no-brainer because you have a large YouTube audience already. So you know, you have people to market it to, but at the same time, you know, what led you down to that decision of actually getting into Shopify apps? Because you've done everything in the past, like you ran your own stores, you were doing the content behind Shopify and how to set up Shopify stores or e-commerce stores as a whole. But yeah, what led you into the industry of Shopify apps? It was essentially just what I viewed as the more profitable decision because over time, especially doing content creation, I would have a lot of other apps and companies reach out to me to, you know, promote their apps via sponsored YouTube videos or affiliate programs, et cetera. And I've obviously done a good amount of those over the years for my YouTube channel, but I realized that I was making them a significant more amount of money than I was making myself while I was doing that. So like, yeah, I may be getting, you know, an upfront fee for the video or I may be getting affiliate commission, but if they are growing their user base over time and they eventually want to exit the company, for example, I'm not going to get any share of that, but I did play a part in growing that business. So it just seems to be more of a high ROI move to try and promote my own application versus somebody else's because eventually if there's an exit or anything like that down the line, I actually benefit from that fully. So it just feels like you're putting in a similar amount of time, but with way more upside. Well, it just seemed like a no-brainer to do that. It took me a little bit too long to start. Yeah, you've definitely done so much. Even when we were living together, there were so many different businesses that you tried out as well as we both worked on together that just were very short-sighted and never really were long-term. And it seems like this is the best long-term play here as far as like just getting like active income plus utilizing the 
infrastructure that you've already built up with your YouTube channel and the, the clout and the recognition of being the Shopify tutorials guy on YouTube. So now it's like, like, how do you make this monetary successful? And I think Shopify apps courses were obviously not the thing that you wanted to move into, but I think Shopify apps is the next best thing, um, especially for like SaaS multiples and how you can exit with SaaS multiples if everything is done correctly, of course. Do you see yourself just exiting at some point or are you just trying to build up the portfolio of the apps or like a suite of apps and then exiting like a big exit or what, like what's, what's the long-term vision you have right now? So I try not to spend too much time with like the pie in the sky stuff because there's a lot of execution that has to be done to get there. So I'd say right now I'm mainly focused on just trying to increase the total amount of cash flow coming in from apps. So whether that's, you know, maximizing from the existing one or acquiring more or having a new one developed, any type of uh, source like that I'm open to doing, increasing my overall exposure to apps. I'd say that I guess if I had to think about it in terms of long term, I probably would consider a larger exit down the line, but it's not something that I really think about adamantly day to day because, you know, that's something that's way ahead and that's not going to create itself. So I'd more so like to focus on like, you know, what needs to be done right now? What's the next step in order to move forward? So I'd say right now, the main goal is just increasing the cash flow from apps as much as possible, as quickly as possible. And then, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, sauce does come with a few benefits, which is pretty good multiples. So that could be something that could be potentially explored down the line. Yeah. And obviously, as you acquire more stores or build or acquire more apps or build more apps, that multiple is only going to increase as long as you obviously keep growing it. And I think it just would add more variety to the content that you're already putting out. So instead of just promoting one app continuously, you'd have like multiple apps to jump through and all these apps are owned by you. So all the benefits are gained just purely through like for yourself instead of like you mentioned earlier or the other brands that you've done sponsorships for. I know we talked about this like almost half a year ago that you wanted to get into apps, but you only finished and closed the deal and got all the access about a month and a half ago. Like what what went through your head as well as what were you looking for when you were trying to acquire an app? So it was a mix of a couple of things. So the first thing is that I didn't want the niche of the app to be like, extremely saturated to the point where like like email or something where you're competing like Playbio. So I didn't want it to be like super saturated, but at the same time, there's going to be competitors and everything. And I would rather there be some competitors in play to prove that the concept actually works since I think the edge that I can bring is more so going to be from the marketing side. So I'm fine with some competition, but I didn't want to jump right into like the biggest niche, which is going to be email, of course. Another mix of that would be the valuation that some of these founders were wanting to sell their apps for. So it had to be a mix of, is there a growth opportunity with this app? Do I think I can bring specific value to growing this app? Can I see it in my head? It was kind of a bit of an intuitive process. I look at it in certain apps I'd see, and I'm just like, I'm not really feeling like, I don't really feel like, like, I don't see, like, if I can't envision a clear roadmap of how I can grow this app over the next, say, three to six months, then I kind of just immediately ignore it. So there's a lot of those. There's way more those to guesses. I'm pretty picky when it comes to that. Can you think you spend a lot of money up front? And then at the same time, it also comes down to, you know, are they willing to sell for a reasonable price? 
because you know every other box can be checked but if they're asking a price that's you know way too unreasonable then that's also going to get thrown out the door as well yeah i remember we had like a conversation about this at some point where some guy wanted what like 20 or 30 grand for a really low cash flowing app yes some of the multiples were pretty pretty funny (laughs) to say the least that some of these people were requesting and i mean and some of the income wasn't even like recurring. It was like one-off sales and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know where you're getting these valuations from, but like, I'm, you're not going to be getting that money from me. Hey, they had a 10K month, one month. Okay. So well, that's all you need. One month is enough to say you made 10K any month. You just need that one screenshot. That's all you, <laughs> and then you make a course about it. Um, That's awesome. So what was, take me through the process. Cause I've never bought apps before i don't i'm until you brought it up i completely didn't even think it would be possible to like just buy apps it's like how does that even work so walk me through the process on like how like what sites you use or like what the buying process was like etc i used micro acquire i think they actually just changed their name to acquire i think i I read the email i think they said they were doing that to make make the sellers feel better i guess you know like if you go boost because like no one wants to be there their uh, sale or their acquisition is micro. They could just change it to like average size acquire. No, it's not really. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if we're being being exact, yeah, well, we're not exactly. Uh, it's not like Adobe acquiring Figma here. So yeah. <laughs> so I used micro acquire for this specific app. I know there's other places where you could look for apps. I think if there's someone Flippa and. I think there's a couple other sites, but Micro Acquire seems to be the one with the highest quality listings. And once you actually find a couple of apps that you're interested in, pretty much it's just a long, arduous process of verification. So you have to verify that the numbers are right. You have to verify how the app was built. So like was it built with clean, scalable code that's going to be easy to build on top of, or was it completely built lazily and it's going to be you know you're either on board a developer and they have no idea what's going on so you have to make sure that everything on the technical side is clean and makes sense and then you have to see you know do they have an existing roadmap do you want to change or that like what are what were their goals why are they selling i think that's an interesting one to me like why would someone want to sell something that's worth potential that's always how i think it. so maybe i'm a little too skeptical, but I'm always like, well, if there's so much potential in this, why are you selling? And you know, every listing knows me, like, oh, there's so much potential, and there's always some weird reason about it. So, you know, there's always going to be a lot of verification and research that has to be done in that process. So, the majority of the time is pretty much just, you know, verifying that all the claims, statements, and everything were real. And then once you've verified that, pretty much doing a lot of market research to solidify whether or not like the opportunity is actually there. So you're essentially validating the market. And then beyond that, there's a lot of technicalities, legal stuff that you kind of have to go through and like the escrow payment and stuff kind of takes a while. So it's definitely a longer process than I thought it would be initially. Like I did think it would be a lot quicker, but if there's anything I've learned in business over the years, everything is always longer than you expect it to be. Um, this stuff way was the case with this as well gotcha so you so when you were doing all that due diligence you knew the exact app that was being sold or was it just like the concept of what the app was and everything was just 
like hidden like information are you, you know exactly what the app is so the listings it's normally private and then you have to request access to actually see these listings and then it's, sometimes you have certain sellers why you sign like an nda and then once you sign that or whatever then they go ahead and just normally give you access to the pnl screenshots from the partner dashboard and then you actually get to see the app itself it would be very difficult to borderline impossible actually to make a actual buying decision if you didn't see the actual app itself yeah i was curious because i remember you explained the process to me a, a while ago where you you don't know who you're acquiring from you just know that this app is there but i didn't know like if you actually got access to it or you saw what the actual app was but it makes sense that they would have you sign a non-disclosure agreement when things are getting serious yeah and, and as the negotiations go along, then you kind of get access to, to more things. So normally you have to sign an NBA up front just to see what the app is. And then, you know, as everything goes on, it's like you're not going to be diving right into like, you know, the code base or anything immediately. But then, you know, maybe later on, you know, as, as the seller actually views you as like a serious potential buyer. So they're like, I'm definitely, you know, this guy's interested, he's serious. Then you're going to start getting into more of like the nitty gritty type. Hmm. It kind of snowballs throughout the negotiation. Gotcha. And were you able to have any like phone conversations with the seller or was it just purely like text based on micro acquiring? Purely chatted email. I mean, you, you know how I am. You know me personally. So normally I try and stick with chat the majority of the time just for efficiency's sake. But you can have calls through uh, micro acquire actually if you want to. I didn't find it necessary or this specific deal. I think if it was a bigger one, I probably would have to jump on there. But in this specific case, this they're actually, the you know, back and forth was actually a lot less than you would think. Like there wasn't like paragraphs or anything in text. It was just simple questions, simple answers. And most of the actual time and energy put into it was me doing like the market validation research and everything off the side. So as far as the actual direct communication, it wasn't too much, and the but like the majority of the communication was actually afterwards when we were doing the transition. Yeah, that would make sense because I mean, if everything looks good on paper, then there's really not much else to discuss, and especially if you know what you're looking at, and if if they're professional and you know what you're looking at, there's really not much that needs to be said. But if someone's dropping the ball on someone's end, then that's when things get a little hairy, and I'm sure the transaction falls through. And I think that's where that like that statistic comes from of. Like only an X, like X percentage or like a small percentage of businesses actually get acquired. I think it's because most people's like one of the parties is just not doing their job right. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see a lot of headaches coming up in different points of the actual acquisition. Because, you know, like you mentioned, either party decides to drop the ball at all. One, like for me personally, if the other party drops the ball on anything even once, I'm probably going to get sketched out and back out. Because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to be like, all right, I don't really trust this anymore and kind of back out. So, but luckily for me in this case, everything was smooth, very smooth, easy communication, very quick and very straightforward, which is how I prefer to do any type of business, just straightforward. Let's, you know, this is what we need to do. Let's try and get it done. Fortunately, that's how it was. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that everything went smooth. I know that you've had a few transactions that weren't that smoother you, everything was stopped at the multiple stage or when they were asking for big multiples um i just found those stories to be funny now that you've acquired the app 
how is the process of like getting it to getting access to everything as well as you know i know you mentioned like you have to fix up a few things like how has that been going because i know you're not super actively market marketing the app itself so walk me through that yeah so i haven't even really started any type of serious marketing push yet because there was a few key features that i feel like were missing from the app that are greatly impacting the churn and i'm gathering this from customer data so normally whenever a merchant uninstalls an app they kind of give a reason why they uninstalled so one of the first things i did was look through all of the uninstall reasons and group them together into groups to look for uninstall reasons that showed up more than once and then i ranked them by how many times they showed up and you know if something's showing up 70 times you know that's going to be an issue so i started putting that towards the top of the priority list when I was developing a roadmap for the app. So pretty much just taking the customer feedback and ranking it by volume and then utilizing that to create a roadmap in this specific case. Would you be open to sharing what the biggest reason was for someone uninstalling the app? So in this case, it was the one primary feature was missing that two of the primary competitors already have. And from a merchant point of view, I can easily see why this would be a pain point. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh yeah, like why why is it already available? Right. I'm like looking at the feature, I'm like, yeah, this should already be available. This is a no-brainer. This makes sense why people would be uninstalling right away. So the top two reasons were actually just feature things, and they're actually not too hard to implement, fortunately. So those were the top two reasons right there. It would make sense, like for example, if like in our scenario, if Clavio had SMS sending and another platform didn't have SMS settings, like, yeah, why wouldn't we move over to Klaviyo because everything's under one roof? Okay, so once you get those features, like, fixed um, or implemented or any of those complaints, yeah, fixed, what would you, like, what's the roadmap after that? Is it just going ham into marketing it on your channel or? So it's a mix. So utilizing the YouTube channel will obviously be a huge part of it because that's an asset that I have, so I definitely would want to take advantage of it. However... He's going to be other strategies implemented as well. So one thing I've noticed with a lot of Shopify apps in particular is the marketing messaging is very technical heavy, we can say, versus mm-hmm. like, like they use a lot of these buzzword technical terms that a lot of merchants either don't understand or just don't really care about. So I think changing the messaging is going to be one of the biggest things with the marketing too, changing the messaging to more of a sales-oriented type of messaging. So, you know, like adding some actual copywriting in there and just changing the angle of the whole app listing itself and the YouTube channel as well. And beyond that, I think implementing a couple small tweaks to maximize the amount of reviews you get is also going to be important because Mm. reviews in the uh, App Store can impact your ranking inside of the search so when people search for specific terms and your app shows up you have more reviews it can definitely benefit you inside of the ranking process so implementing just a couple easy features like even just the pop-up inside the app after they've used it for a couple days like hey like you know are you enjoying the app can you leave us a rating Adding that into the email campaign as well like having an email like hey you know can you i know you like that you heard email well <laughs> But yeah, adding into the email campaign, like, hey, can you read us a review of the app? You know, how do you enjoy the app? Give us some feedback, et cetera. 
So neither of those things were implemented as a DAO. So those are going to be two easy implements as well. Uh, and, and I think that collectively build like a good foundation because I don't think the solution to a lot of issues is just the solely dump marketing on it because I think that's what a lot of people sometimes think with uh, with apps in particular is that I mean admittedly that can be a good solution but like if you think about it like you have a bucket and there's like a big hole at the bottom of the bucket like you can pour more water in it like it will work the bucket may get filled up more if you're pouring enough water in it but it's always going to be leaking out so I think fixing the leak first and then dumping a bunch of water in it is kind of more effective if you're thinking about it from an efficiency standpoint, that's kind of how I'm looking at it, trying to address as many leaks as possible in software. There's always going to be leaks in churn, but you know, you can make the hole smaller. So make the hole smaller first and then dump the water in, which is the market. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that because you need to have the retention side of things f- fixed first because otherwise you'll, the like retention or like the churn percentage is still going to be the same. So like whether you have like a hundred new users that week, you'd still have that same percentage of hundred users leave. Whether it's like a thousand users, it's still that same percentage of a thousand users leaving. So you'd want to fix that up as much like as quickly as possible, ideally, and then you know open the floodgates. Yeah, because if not, you're going to be wasting a lot of your marketing budget as well. Or it's at least it's not going to be as efficient. You're going to spend your marketing budget, and let's say you're losing. 20% of customers where you can get it down to 10. So your marketing's now 10% less efficient than it could possibly be. How do you fix these issues a lot of time before just opening the It just seemed like the more efficient thing to do. Well, there's a balance. Like, you don't want to be a perfectionist and wait three years before you get any marketing in because you have to be making money. So yeah. the advantage of acquiring an app is that it's already making money. So it gives you a little bit of leeway so you can try to increase the money that's coming in but i think my strategy would be a little bit different with an app that let's say i had developed from scratch that was making no money i would probably be way more marketing heavy at first because in that you scenario, I, had, I, have, I have no customer feedback at all so i don't know i don't have ads pay over roadmap and like you said exactly the most important thing in the business is revenue so if i like if i'm not making any money it's not even a business it's just code like if there's no money coming in, it's not it's not real. So I think my strategy would be a lot different with an asset that's not cash flowing versus acquiring one that is cash flowing. So I think it's a different strategy. If you're acquiring something that's already making money, you can just kind of patch some of the holes and increase its revenue and therefore its valuation solely from doing that before doing any marketing. But if you're starting from the jump, then I'd probably be 99% off market because you need money in. Yeah, money in and validation of the the ideas is probably the two biggest things because then you'll know if you're not if I'm not making any money with the ideas value validated, okay, I can push on a little further. If neither of those two are working, then it's like okay, I don't think it's a good idea, and then you move on to the next project. Yeah, you need to find out really quick whether or not the idea is worthless. Market will let you know really quick whether it's worthless. Find if they're giving you money. If they're not giving you money, then you know it might be time to move on. You, know, you try it for a couple months. You have zero dollars in revenue, biggest time to switch. Absolutely. Well, Jake, it was a pleasure having you on. I definitely learned a lot more about apps. The topic went so deep, but obviously it does because there's a whole, you know, almost a billion dollar market behind it. So thank you for coming on. Where can people find you and where can people 
watch you when you do release this app or not release it but i guess make it more public uh so you can find me on youtube at casually commerce and i'm on instagram as well jake underscore alexander 111 awesome man well thank you for coming on and uh i'll see you in the next one awesome man thanks for having me thanks again for joining us on the scaling e-commerce podcast if you enjoyed it or learned something new remember to like subscribe and leave a review it really helps out with the algorithm if you want email marketing tip delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Bakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.